Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Today's guest is one of the country's brightest young stars who joins us fresh off the back of a title winning season that will see her play in the Women's Super League come August. Welcome to the show, Leicester City's Shannon O'Brien. How are you doing now? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, like I said, bit of a busy day. You're off the back of training, I believe, training this morning. Yeah, training this morning and then back home now, chilling. I don't think we can really start anywhere else other than obviously the weekend just gone. Leicester City are promoted. You've won the title. You've gone to the WSL. You've got your hands on the trophy. I've seen a few photos of it. Um, so you've got your hands on a, a title before you're even sort of 20 year old. How was the feeling lifting the trophy? It was crazy. Like the Obviously, we've known for a couple of weeks we've, we've won it. Um, but like obviously the build up to uh, playing at the King Power, you know, we've known that for a couple of weeks. So we you know, like just the whole, like the anticipation of the day, just as a big occasion in general, was just crazy. And, uh, you know, you're thinking about the day more so, like, un- like not on purpose, but at times more than like the game because the occasion was so big. Um, but, you know, we wanted to win the game first and foremost because of just the day itself. Uh, but then, yeah, when we lifted the trophy, it was just mental, just at the King Power, like the stadium, the, the fireworks, the just the whole setup was just, like unbelievable and I just it makes you think about when when them, them stadiums are completely full of fans and how that must feel like because it was unbelievable just like that which it at then kind of times it makes you think wow if the fans are in it would have just been like out of this world it's moments like that isn't it where you, you kind of are really missing the fans where you notice that you know if you win a title or you, you lift a cup or something significant happens that like you get to a final that's kind of the moments you notice the fans aren't there isn't it really yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, when we all knew about the day and what it was going to look like, I think the one thing we all thought of straight away was, it's a shame the fans aren't in, you know, what a day that would have been for everybody to to share with us. But, you know, we had to just make the most of, of what we had with the day and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it was great either way. It's happened sort of quite often this season. Um, obviously, we've seen Spurs and, and other women's clubs have played in effectively what classes their men's stadium, but obviously a lot of the men's team are co-line with the, the women's teams and then there's games that go into the, the bigger stadiums how much for you as an individual and probably as a team to be fair um do you think playing in bigger stadiums actually helps move the women's game further forward because you get used to when there's fans there atmospheres and stuff like that yeah it's massive I think the first time I ever really um noticed it was I was playing um against Southampton for Carve in the FA Cup and they had um I think it was about 5,000 fans um, and that that atmosphere was unreal it was the biggest um, crowd I've ever played in front of um, and that was at St Mary's so the whole stadium and fans that were there made the day 10 times more special so I think when you look at um, women's teams getting the opportunity to to play in the big the men's stadiums you know it really brings the game forward because I think as well a lot of the the fans that only follow the men's side then realise all oh, the women are actually playing in that stadium might better go and check them out um, and it gets them a bit more exposure as well so I think yeah it brings it brings everything on really you know the, just a big momentum uh, occasion and then other people would follow as well so yeah I think it's it's big for, for women's football. A lot of it is the media element as well you're touching it there about the fact that but if uh, when I was younger if the women's team was playing at the stadium light or Walker Park, whatever it would have been, I would have went and gone because at the end of the day, it's Sunderland, Sunderland, Sunderland. That's kind of yeah. how I grew up. Do you think that's probably one of the main things that people sort of miss that if you can, well, not miss, and um, one of the main aspects that if you can get more games that are going to be focused around maybe even the club's media, because obviously Leicester are very well aligned, people will naturally go, yeah, I'll go and watch it. Suddenly that barrier breaks down and people go watch it. And then you've, you've got a fan of, you know, Leicester City men and Leicester City women. Yeah, I think um, Leicester especially are good um, with that side of things. Um, the men are always tweeting uh, Instagram, whatever, about about the women's team. And a lot of the comments on, on them kind of posts are really positive from fans of the men's team. So I think... Um, in terms of them as a club, yeah, they're great when it comes to uh, supporting the women's side. Uh, and they, yeah, they give us a lot of exposure. And I think especially I've noticed, even since I've joined over the five months that I've been here, how, how much the team's grown through just the men's um, media and stuff that give us the exposure. Um, and they, yeah, like it's grown massively just in the five months that I've been there. So I can't imagine 
<clears throat> what it'll be like in a year's time. It'll be, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it'll be, it'll be incredible. Um, and especially with the Super League now, um, I think yeah, it'll only get bigger. I think when you're looking at um, Leicester as a club at the moment, a lot of people talk about the word investment and this club's put investment and that club's put investment. Yes, that's a, a huge, huge step. Like it's massive when you get a team and the business says, yeah, we're going to make the women's team fully professional. That's massive. And obviously that moves stuff forward, but it's only half the job really. And I think Leicester do probably one of the better jobs in the league of making sure everything's aligned and it is actually like one club. Um, do you feel it? as an individual player there that's been there five months that they're doing probably one of the better jobs in, the, in all of the leagues? Yeah, 100%. I mean, and it's not just from giving us, like, you know, the training ground and the facilities that they've, they've given us, um, just even in terms of just checking in on how we're doing. Um, you know, I heard Brennan Rogers talk about the team a few times in his press conferences and the, the men's players are commenting, saying well done and congrats and stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely a one club thing. And I know people can say that about different clubs and it might not necessarily be true. But with Leicester, I do genuinely think there's an actual interest um, and they do actually want to um, bring our game forward as like from their fan base and from their media. Um, so, yeah, I think overall as a club, they really do want to help push us forward and support us the best they can. And it's definitely one of the better men's um, men's clubs that I've seen in terms of that in in helping the women's team out, yeah. How good does the club feel at the moment? Because obviously it was a few years ago that Leicester men's team won the league and that was a shock then, but now they're one of the most successful teams in the league. You've been supreme, supremely successful this year as well. So that training ground must be quite buzzing at the moment, is it not? Yeah, it's, it's been a real, since since the, the, was it London City, I think? Yeah, yeah, London City game. Since since then, uh, it's been it's been crazy. You know, it's been a proper party atmosphere, and I know we've obviously had different games to play, um, but we've just really enjoyed it. I think John has been saying it to us all, like just to live in the moment. And you know, we've got a few weeks left as a as a squad, um, and it's like you're never going to experience this again with this group of players. So you need to just yeah live in the moment and just enjoy every second that you have at the minute. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're loving every minute. Yeah, you seem to be having quite a lot of fun, to be fair. It's a good season, though, so you might as well bask in it. He's absolutely right, yeah. and I'm going to agree with no. him. Um, one of the, probably the big takeouts from the conversation at the moment with the WSL, which, of course, you're going to be going into, is that Sky Sports, we're going to be, they've pumped a load of money into it, but most importantly, they're going to give a lot of media exposure. So not only is it, a promotion to a league where you're going to get a bit more exposure, the exposure in that league suddenly gone kind of boom and it's going to be massive sort of overnight almost. Um, two questions on that, I suppose. Um, the first one, how much do you think the exposure will help sort of grow the women's game? Like how important do you think that investment in that Sky Sports is going to be? Huge. I think I personally only started really... Um, watching women's football was when the World Cup was on um, not long ago um, and it was on Sky to watch um, because otherwise I, I'd never really seen updates or like, I wouldn't be able to follow it properly. Um, so from it being on Sky and um, BBC, I think um, it just gave me the, um, it exposed the game to me and it let me follow it and it gave me that chance. So I think putting more games on, I know they show some now, but like just weekly, all the games, um, it gives people a chance to just follow a team and every week, like with men, you, you're going to follow, like I'm a Liverpool fan, for example, and I watch their games every weekend um, and it gives people a chance to do that with women's teams now and, you know, they don't have to scroll through Twitter to find out updates, they can watch their team and support their team properly so yeah, it's huge for just, just people that maybe don't have access to go and watch games live, um, people that don't live locally, you know, especially like globally as well, a lot of people from different countries get that opportunity now to watch the games and, and follow their team. So, yeah, the, the Sky deal is, is massive for the, for the women's game, yeah. It's funny you mentioned about, um, you know, having the access to to watch the team and, and follow the team and stuff like that. And, you know, in a sense, almost follow individuals, like many of us did when we were young. Um, there's been a lot of chat that says, um, you know, young girls are going to have a role model. And I, and I totally get that, 100%. But... I also think little boys can as well. Like there's, there's people that they can grow up and they can, I mean, Lucy Bronze now is like a worldwide superstar. Like I 
seen Man City a couple of months ago and I was sort of shell-shocked and I didn't grow up with her. It was just like, oof, there's the, the best player in the world. <laughs> like, So with that exposure as well, you're going to get that element of it. You're going to get like little boys, little girls are going to have new heroes that are, are female footballers. Um, but how does that feel for you as someone who's going to be part of that generation? Because you're, you're sort of 19, you've gone into WSL, you're one of the professional players at the moment. You're going to be potentially someone's hero growing up. Um, if they're a Leicester City fan, or, or if not, does that add extra pressure, or does that add extra excitement to your career? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, um, obviously, when I was younger and I was growing up, like I said, I didn't have the exposure to women's football, so the players that I looked up to were from the men's game. Um, so yeah, like now, being given that chance to just play your football and like younger younger kids are watching and looking up to you, it's it's mad when you think about it because obviously I don't think for myself as a 19 year old that I'm that kind of person to to look up to yet but um you know like the sky deal and giving people the chance to watch the games and make that decision and who they want to follow yeah it's, it's crazy to me I mean I don't quite believe it yet but <laughs> it, it, is, it is incredible yeah I suppose you get that as well though I think one thing that I've really loved about um working with Middlesbrough is the amount of little kids that come and get autographs and, and photos and at the side of the pitch. And it's still kind of at that point where that's still relatively accessible and, it, and it's nice. Um, I imagine since you've been at Leicester and, and probably when you're at Cov as well, you've had that element of it and you've had people that want photos, autographs and stuff like that. Is it is that kind of weird as a 19-year-old? Because, well, I mean, God, I barely remember when I was 19 and certainly <laughs> no one wanted my autograph. But if they did, I would have probably been a bit freaked out. But how does that feel when you've got kids coming up to you now and they want the photo and they want an autograph? Yeah, it's it's mad. When I was at Carver, I joined, you know, as, as a 16-year-old. So, like, I was literally a kid. <laughs> so when people were asking back then, I was like, really? Like, do you actually want that? Like, I was just a bit <laughs> like, you sure? But um, now, like, obviously you have to get used to it a bit more. Um, and especially, like, with the game growing, it gets more popular and more people want to know and want to get involved. So, yeah, I mean, now I'm a bit more used to it. Especially, But with Leicester especially, it's massively blown up um and to a next level but yeah I mean it's it's crazy in my head but I think it makes sense to other people now more than it does to me yeah and I, you know what we've got a we've got a girl who's uh just turned 17 England and 19 national and someone wanted her autograph and she didn't even know how to do it she just kind of wrote a name <laughs> and block capitals did you have that period as well where you were like hang on because I don't think I had an autograph when I was 16 but I imagine you had yeah. a a moment <laughs> I mean, to be fair like I don't want to say this to sound weird but I always practiced it <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't prepared but no I that's had good <laughs> but um yeah I mean I think sometimes especially like not long ago with Leicester and somebody asked me to sign a top and I didn't I couldn't write it properly on the top because I'd never done it before and it like got all messy and I was like I'm really sorry I've never done it before but now I'm yeah, I've got used to it a bit, but yeah, I mean, I haven't been practicing, but I've, I was, as a kid, I always used to do that, like scribbling around my autograph, just hoping someone would want it when I was older. Well, it worked out. So you obviously had, um, I was going to say, I can't think of the word forward thinking vision. That's not the right word, but I know what I meant. Um, I'm sure the <laughs> listeners will as well, hopefully. Um, I wanted to sort of touch on your manager as well. Uh, I think, to be fair, with, with Jonathan Morgan or John, if you prefer, Um he's been really highly rated people are starting to speak about him a lot more and i think with him moving into the wsl that's going to be it's going to only enhance his reputation as well um but from you personally you've worked under him for five months like how, how good is he yeah he's he's brilliant and you know he's just a really nice guy as well and i think sometimes that probably gets overlooked a little bit in terms of managers and mm -hmm. as a person how they are as well as how they are as as a manager um, and you know he's you know one of the best managers I've ever worked with in terms of just like getting on with players and is like man management and stuff he's just a really nice guy you can talk to him whenever you want to but in terms of in managing yeah he knows how to get the best of his players you know he trusts youth players which is obviously a massive thing as to why I wanted to join Leicester because I thought he would give me the opportunity and he has done and you know, I didn't expect to to get the back in that I had done from him um, so early on from when I've joined. Um, but, you know, that's just all credit to him and putting his belief in young players when, you know, you don't think you're going to get much of a kick when you're, you're young and there's older players playing in your position. But 
he fully backs everything and he thinks if you're good enough, you know, you're old enough to play. So, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. And like, uh, like I said, like, I get on with him really well. And yeah, he's just a really nice guy. How, how big is that thing like you mentioned before about like, if you're good enough, you're old enough? Because um, not every manager kind of goes with that. You have the whole, you've got to get experience here or maybe you put, put you out on loan somewhere like that. I think sometimes you'll see players who, when they're given a chance and they're told, yeah, you might be, you know, 17, 18, 19, but go and do your thing. Sometimes players just blossom from that. Him being like that with you, how much has that helped you grow in, in a short space of time? Yeah, it's, it, I've grown massively, you know, and, and like I said before, I didn't expect to to play as much as I have done since I joined. So, um, you know, I've just had to take every opportunity as it's come and, you know, he just had to repay my faith, my faith that he's put in me. Um, so, yeah, he's, our team's obviously a lot, a lot younger than um, a lot of the teams in, in our league and around us, really. We've got a lot of youth players that are coming through and we're all developing because he's given us the chance. So, I think, some people obviously would probably benefit from alone and getting game time and stuff. But I think if he has faith in you to perform on, on the day or if he has faith in you to, to perform in the team consistently, then why not? Why not play? It doesn't matter how old you are. You're good enough. You're going to play with Jono. And yeah, that's something I really respect about him as well. Yeah. Massive confidence boost, isn't it? Huge. Um, Huge. When you're talking about the players that you came into, as you said, it's I suppose you could class it as a younger squad compared to the likes of maybe say Durham, who you've been challenged with, or Sheffield United, who obviously you've you've challenged against this year, but you still have experience in there. And the club, from the outside looking in, seems a really cohesive unit. Um, who are the sort of players that you can go up to and, and sort of gain and garner that advice from as a young professional? Um, yeah, so we've got uh, Remy Allen, who obviously has been in the Super League with Reading. Um, you know, she's one of the senior players in the team and you can always go up to her and ask her for some advice. She'll definitely give it, yeah. Um, and, you know, Sophie Barker, captain, um, she's been there and done it before as well. Um, even just like players like Sophie Howard, like Scotland International, you know, she's been in the game for a long time. Um, Kirsty, who not necessarily older players, but just players that have had that experience in the Super League. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of players that there that, although... Yeah, like you said, we're a young group. There's a lot of individuals in the team that have that experience in the Super League. Not, yeah, not necessarily being older players, just just senior experience. And it's something that all of us look up to, even not necessarily the youngest players, but I think everybody looks up to them in terms of just getting us through games sometimes when we need that experience that we probably don't have. Talking about the team as a whole, and I'm not asking you to look into a crystal ball here because I know that's difficult. And I know you've literally just came down from cloud nine and, and sort of picking <laughs> the, the trophy up. But when you have the manager that you've got, things are going as well as you have done. And you've got a team that's basically been almost unbeatable throughout the season. Um, there might be a few changes in the summer. That tends to happen. But a lot of the time when a team recently gets promoted from championship with WSL the gap is still quite big for some reason it doesn't feel like Leicester's going to do that and I hope I'm not tempting fate by saying that um but how far do you think the club can can go and, and kind of what would be your aim um if you could think of having the name at this moment and you're not on cloud nine um you know well I think the club are very ambitious I don't think they've been secretive about that either you know they've they've definitely shown not. everyone what <laughs> they want what they want to achieve um, and I think you know, as a club, we wanna we wanna do as best as we can. I don't think there's a, a limit really as to where we wanna to finish next season or how we wanna do. I think we have the belief that we can we can not just stay in the league and like fight for survival, which a lot of teams do when they first get promoted. I think we have the belief that we can, you know, establish ourselves as a, a WSL team and then hopefully in a few years push on from that and get just rise through the table really. You're looking at like Manchester United or a side that came up a couple of years back now. I can't remember the exact year because COVID's messed everything up. Um, <laughs> but obviously they came up. They're now challenging. Obviously, I know they, they faltered a little bit. But do you? I know you want to go on your own journey, but can you look at clubs like Manchester United as a, yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we can achieve that. We don't just have to finish third bottom, fourth bottom, mid-table. We can actually go at that top four and that top three and, and make an actual challenge faster than some people may think. Yeah, 100%. I think, and they're also a good example of um, getting back in from their men's team and that, and that shows how much it's helped them as well. So, um, yeah, we can definitely look at them and think, well, if they can do it, why can't we? 
um, and yeah, they they've made a name for themselves. They 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 were pushing for the title at a large portion of the season, really, in the Super League this year. So yeah, why not? Really, I think we can look at them and just think, yeah, if if they can, why can't we? Yeah, it's a good attitude to have, must admit. Um, one thing I have to touch on, obviously, I'm sadly old enough to remember him as a football player, um, but Emil Heskey is obviously involved with yourselves. Um, he's a player who's done it all. World Cup, Champions League, obviously scored the fifth when we beat Germany 5-1, all that kind of stuff. Um, how good's he been to lean on as a, a young professional, someone who's been there and done it 10 times over? Yeah, he's he's incredible um, as as a coach, as as a person. He's He's a really nice guy and I think someone with that experience can only help you as a, as a young player, even especially as a striker. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with Emil after after training with just finishing and um, different bits because getting his perspective on things is completely just different to, to how I would ever view anything sometimes. Um, and yeah, I always like to lean on him for advice and stuff like that because I just think, wow, you've got a guy that's, Done, he's been at the World Cup, he's been at the Euros, he's played for Liverpool, you know, massive Liverpool fan, so I can't ask for anyone better to to be there and to offer advice. And he's always like willing to help and willing to give me whatever advice I need. Um, so, yeah, I, I probably annoy him a bit sometimes because I'm always asking him to, to do some shooting with me after training. But, yeah, I think he's, he's absolutely brilliant. And it's just, it's so nice to have somebody like that to around the squad to just help just push people on and just make them realise like people like him are, are interested and they want to help people develop and succeed. So yeah, he's, he's, he's great. He's great to, to just work with in general every day. Yeah. I never really clicked on to the fact that, well, I knew you were a Liverpool fan, um, but I never really clicked. I'm thinking of him in my mind's eyes, a sort of a Leicester City player, which probably shows my age, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but obviously he's been Liverpool. He's won European competitions with Liverpool. He's like I say, he scored the fifth in, in Germany and a famous win over um, Germany for England. But as a Liverpool fan, first time you met him, were you, you must have been a bit starstruck, surely. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, they, I remember going on a tour of the ground before I joined and um, Jonathan said that Emil works with the club, um, which I hadn't really known before that because I didn't really follow Esther before I joined. Um, so I didn't really realise he was there. And then when I got into training and, we was about we was just finishing the session and he just said, Oh, do you want to do some shooting? Do you want to do some finishing with me? And I turned around and I was just like, Yeah, like <laughs> I can't say no. <laughs> I can't say no to him. So yeah, it was it was mad. I didn't even I probably I think I went home and said to my dad, like, oh, I just did some shooting with a meal because my dad's a massive Liverpool fan as well. So we were both just sat there like, wow. But yeah, it was the first time I met him was was mad. I had to kind of like just calm down a little bit and just settle myself down, but I was fine after. It's funny because he, Heskey played an awful lot with Michael Owen, obviously, and when Michael Owen was in his prime, and he would always consistently say, that's who we wanted next to him. And we're talking in an era when you had a hell of a lot of good strikers. He would always want Heskey next to him at England and at Liverpool as well. Um, I remember Emil Heskey a lot of the time would get a lot of stick, and it was mainly because he wasn't the Michael Owen. He would be the, the guy that would create the goal to Michael Owen as a striker that could score goals because he definitely could um, but also could be that person that could help the striker next to them have you leaned on him for that advice as well as how he can help like your your strike partner and how he can help the players around you not just goal scoring yeah I think as a player myself I think I'm a very much not a direct um, goal scorer I think I'm quite a creative player that mm -hmm. probably looks to create goals more so than people probably think um so in terms of that, obviously, it's great to have Emil there because that's his kind of game as well. Um, so I can always get that from him. Um, but yeah, in terms of just working as a, a partner, if I'm playing up front as a two or even out wide um, and linking up with a striker, I think coming from him, he knows what he wants as a striker. So he knows what the wing he would want the winger to do. So he knows pretty much the attacking trio or the four up front. He knows what he wants from each one. So, yeah, regardless of where you play, I think a lot of the wingers can get great advice from him as well. It's He has that that knowledge of, of playing, like you said, at the highest level with players like Michael Owen. Um, and, and not just, yeah, not just scoring goals, just having that creative mindset as well, which I think, yeah, for myself is really helpful because I think that, yeah, it's part of my game that 
he can help move as well. Yeah, and one of the best at it as well, absolutely. Um, and played in, like, like you said, we'll talk about Michael Owen, but you've also got schools, Beckham, and players like that that also he fed on their balls as well. So I suppose that, that kind of advice would be invaluable, especially in the position you play. Um, one big thing I, I sort of touched on there with Emil Heskey is the stick he used to get sometimes. Now, it's an unfortunate side of the game, which thankfully I see not too much of um, within women's football in that community. But there's a reason we've had a social media blackout at the weekend. It's because probably online abuse in various different forms has become quite prevalent. Hopefully it goes, but, you know, it might not. Yeah. Emil Heskey used to probably get a fair amount of that. Um with people criticizing his talent, probably not seeing what he did and everything we've just spoke about. As someone who's quite young and coming into a game that's grown and is only getting more social media attention, is he quite good for that as well? I kind of rely on a, how to deal with things on social media if you do get negativity. Yeah, I think, like you said, he's probably been in that position a lot more than any of us could ever really imagine. Um, and, you know, he's such a laid-back guy when it comes to stuff like that. And I don't think, I think he's let it, got to a point where he doesn't acknowledge it at all um, but like you said for younger players they probably don't know how to deal with that yet um, so I think if you even if you just just look at him and you speak to him for five minutes you realise you know that kind of thing isn't really not important but it's not something you need to let it affect you um, and yeah I think as a young player I think the main advice you can give to people with stuff like that is you know it's a small minority of people that really don't have any place like in football and I think you look at the positives more so because there are a lot more positives in in it than than there are the negatives um but yeah they're not relevant and yeah when you can talk to Emil about stuff like that you can tell he doesn't let it affect him and I think it's obviously a much much better person for it um but yeah for younger players it's difficult um but I think yeah like I said you just have to ignore it and but at the same time, there obviously needs to be change. And I think the blackout was a good start with how it will, will change and how it will progress. Um, so hopefully it goes in that way. I don't want to touch on it too much because I don't want to give it any umbrage, truth be told. But um, with the social media blackout and stuff like that, I think what many people have realised, not just in football, across the world of sport and across the world in general, is that there's probably not enough support for when things like that happen. Me as a, a journalist, I feel quite lucky in the sense that my um, the people who pay my wages, basically, if I get a lot of grief, which sometimes journalists do, and that doesn't get recognised, I do have a, a support um, element from my editor, my manager, and, and we look after each other and make sure that, you know, we don't let it get to us and stop our job. Um, I think a lot more football clubs are doing that as well. If you were to get particular, not abuse, but something that could maybe affect your your mental health or the way you approach a game or the way you approach a training session or, or whatever you take home with yourself. Are you finding clubs like Leicester and other clubs are building a, an area where you can go and have a conversation and say like, look, this has affected me. Um, can I get a bit of help with it rather than just making you physically a better player making you mentally someone who can approach them and, and, and sort of deal with issues like that if they do arise? Yeah, I think, um, even at Cov, really, I think um, I think clubs have to make the environment comfortable for for somebody to to approach that kind of uh, conversation. Um, and I think teams now nowadays more so have, have made that that environment so a safe place where you can you can talk to anybody really. You can talk to players, manager, coaches, staff, whoever about that kind of thing, and they'll listen. Um, which is a massive thing that sometimes I think you can just talk to people about that kind of thing and. And you just want someone to listen and not necessarily give advice, just just like a, someone to talk to about it. And mm -hmm. yeah, even wherever I've been, really, there's been that that environment and those kind of people that you can talk to. So, yeah, especially with, like I said, with the media and um, how much the women's game is growing. I think it's more important that now more than ever that uh, players get that support. And I think I think they do get that. Um, I mean, I certainly feel like. Uh, I get that support. So hopefully everyone else feels that way. I'm sure they do. Fingers crossed. Um, we've touched a lot on Leicester. So now I'm going to revert all the way back to your childhood. So sorry <laughs> for like totally swinging the conversation. I kind of like to do that. Um, obviously, you're, you're still just 19. 
but everyone's got that story of when they first started kicking a football. What was it that got you interested in football? You said your dad was a big Liverpool fan. Was it from your dad or was it something different? Yeah, my dad, 100%. I didn't really have a choice. Um, I remember my first proper football memory is probably Istanbul 2005. Um, I remember watching the penalties with my mom in um, her bedroom. I can't remember. I don't think my dad was. I think my dad was out watching it with my with my nan, I think. Um, and I was sat on the bed chanting, miss, 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 um, when the when the AC Milan players were taking their pens. So that, I, I think that got me into football as well as my dad, who obviously absolutely loves football and didn't really give me a choice when it comes to that. Um, and I remember he actually has a photo of me when I kicked the ball for the first time ever. Um, I was in Disneyland Paris and I was kicking a little soft um, Mickey Mouse ball, I think it was. And he... He like loves that picture because it's the first time I ever kicked a ball and like now you can compare it to then. But yeah, definitely Istanbul, definitely my dad, massive, massive influence. So at what point did it start realizing that you weren't just kicking a ball, you could actually, you know, kick it with talent, shall we say? <laughs> I think that's the total wrong <laughs> phrase, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So well, I I, I played for um uh, just a boys Sunday league team locally. Um and then the team actually folded. Um I think we, I don't think there was anywhere for us to play. So I went, I think, a couple of years without actually playing for a team and just playing for my school. Um, and then I remember one of the staff at the school, Gary Hardwick, he got me into my boys Sunday league team. I think I was eight, I think, eight or nine. Um, and then I started playing football then for the Sunday team. Um, and then I played with boys right until I was 13, I think. Um, and that's when... I think later on in that, I think that's when I started to take it a bit more seriously because I was holding my own with the boys. Um, and then that's when I then moved to Villa and started taking it uh, really seriously. Because obviously before you're a kid, you just want to enjoy football. But then, yeah, it gets to a point where you think, all right, well, actually, I'm all right at this, so I can take it a bit further. So where did the progression to sort of Aston Villa go then? Because obviously, I think you were in the academy, obviously, when you're quite young there, but you don't just end up at Aston Villa, I guess. There's obviously a progression there. So what was the, the journey to Villa like? Yeah, it was it was a lot um, different. I um, So I just trialled there basically when I was um, 13 because um, I just was going to move on from boys football. I wanted to take it more seriously. I knew I had to do that through, through women's football. Um, so I knew somebody that actually played for them at the time and they just said, you'll you'll be fine, you'll you'll get in, so come and come and trial. Um so yeah, I went down and had a trial there. Um and yeah, I was I got in and you know, I was then playing for the for the under 15s, I think. Um so that's where I started off. But yeah, it was literally straight from from boys football straight into that. Could you feel a difference between them? Because I think a lot of the time people People compare men's football, women's football, when it doesn't really need to be. You're probably tired of it being compared. But as a youngster, do you feel a difference between them, like a, a physical element, technical element, or does it feel quite similar? Yeah, so when I was really young, I actually played for Cove City Girls um, Academy. I think, I'm not even sure how old I was. It was a long time ago. But um, I remember literally joining for, I think it was one game, and I quit because I, I just was so used to playing with the boys. And, I didn't really enjoy it. So I went back to the boys and, and carried on playing with them. And then then when I joined Villa, it wasn't really much of a difference. Um, I think when I was really young, I, I noticed it more because I was so young and, you know, I just wanted to enjoy my football. And obviously I wasn't then. But yeah, once I moved to Villa, I, I was loving it. And that's when I realised, you know, you can enjoy women's football like it sounds stupid to say that but I think at a time I was a bit like hesitant towards it um, because obviously I'd played with boys for so long but in terms of um, physical and technical I, I think playing with the boys helped me physically because I wasn't scared to you know hurt tackling or whatever but I, then then when I joined Villa I didn't really notice that much of a difference I think they were a lot more technical I think more focus on detail and technical ability uh, at an academy so there wasn't much difference between the boys and the girls. They just were just different teams, but the standard was wasn't that much different. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also it's a it's a pool of sometimes, isn't it? It's not like in America where, I mean, how many teen movies have we watched from America where the girls play soccer, as they would call it? Whereas, like, that's probably not been up until the past 10, 15 years as much of a thing that men would do. 
I would always play football. The girls wouldn't when I was younger. Now it's a bit different. Everyone kind of plays it. And I think naturally when you play it from a very young age, you're going to get those numbers up, aren't you? Every man tends to like to play football. But now it's getting to the point where every girl is. I'm sure you're watching players coming through when, you know, a few years younger than you, 13, 14, 15, 16, and you're starting to see the quality going up already, I imagine, yeah? Yeah, 100%. I think um, when now when I'm looking at younger girls play, I've noticed it more because when I was younger, I thought that I was progressing the game. So then watching them now, I'm looking, thinking, wow, like it's get like the progress is unreal in, in terms of I think women's football is obviously progressing, but I think from younger ages especially, it, there's more focus on on detail and, and technical ability and and just the actual game itself. I think it was probably overlooked a little bit when when I was a bit younger. But now, yeah, you can definitely tell how how different the game has got and how much it's grown and Definitely, the players are a lot, a lot better now. Yeah, it's crazy when you watch the because um, I've seen to Man City. Like I was saying, I think off air. I can't remember if I said that on air or off air. I can't remember now. Um, about two months ago, and obviously you see their setup and the academy that they've got for the girls and stuff like that. Like everything's set up for it just to grow. But the fact that there's a good, it's not just one club that's doing that. It's, it's quite a lot that are doing it. Um, fingers crossed. Hopefully, that will become much more of a regular occurrence. Um, I wanted to sort of ask a little bit about your, your move to Coventry United. Um, obviously, you made that move, but you were at Villa in the academy. I have researched it and researched it and couldn't find out why that move happened. So <laughs> fill me in. Tell me the story. Why why from Villa to Coventry United? How did that happen? Um, so I was at Villa from from 13 to, to 16, I think. And then um, it got to a point where I was in the under-16s team and they were getting rid of their development squad. Mm. Um, and I hadn't played senior football before then. Um, and I wanted to just get that, just wanted to play a year of, of playing with with older women and, you know, wanted to get that experience. Um, so I didn't think I would have got that at Villa in the setup they were in. And I didn't think I was there was a pathway for me to, to get in there Um so, you know, I had to make that decision to, to leave and, and find somewhere where I could just experience women's football. Um, and obviously, country are local because I live in Cobb. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they're in the National League at the time. And I genuinely joined to play in their development side because I was 16 um, and just get that experience. But, um, yeah, I went, I went up to the first team pretty quick. And, um, yeah, then that's how it happened, really. It's just just a more of a local thing, to be honest. It's definitely worked, though. I mean, obviously, you played the best part of first-team football for, I mean, obviously, COVID got in the way, but 18 months um, at a good standard as well. And obviously, maybe they haven't finished where Leicester have, but currently, obviously, doing better than a, a lot of clubs in, in a good division. Um, we touched on it before about if you're good enough, you, you know, you're old enough, but there has to be a point when I suppose you do pick up experience for... Numerous reasons, really. Um, and you talk about wanting to get that experience, and that was one of the reasons you made the move. So that 18 months or so that you had in the Coventry first team, how vital was that to your progression to where you are now? It, it was massive. I mean, I joined... Um, I remember I joined as a 16-year-old, and in my last pre-season game, I actually sprained my ankle and I was out for quite a few months, which was horrible timing. Um, but I remember them watching them through those three months and thinking about where I could fit in and how I would get on in that kind of, um, at that level. Um, and then literally as soon as I was fit, I was, I was thrown in and, you know, I was given the opportunity to play and I played a lot of games um, for someone so young at, at the national league level. Um, and then we were promoted the year after to the championship. And then I was playing a lot more than in the championship really uh, for it was one and a half seasons. Um, but yeah, I mean that that I've said it before, like that that experience at that level is so key to where I am now because if I'd have joined Leicester a two, two, three years ago, for example, I wouldn't be the player that I am now because I didn't wouldn't have had that exposure to, to first team football and I wouldn't have had that exposure to to the championship to that level. So I knew the league before I joined Leicester, so which helped me a lot as well. Um but yeah, just in terms of, of playing time as well, I think it's key for people that whether they're growing up and in especially between 16 and 19 to get games and doesn't matter what level you are if you have to drop down a level you know when I left Villa to join Cov 
a lot of people looked at me because it looked like a step down, mm-hmm. uh, which it probably was at the time in some people's eyes, but it helped me as a player because I needed game time and I needed that exposure in football. So, yeah, I mean, it's been massive for, for me to just, just get game time and, and that's where you develop as a player. You can train as much as you want, but you need game time and you need to, to play every week. And yeah, that's, that's what I did for me. What sort of things do you learn at first team level that maybe you don't at academy level? What are like the main differences? I think for me, it was realising people are older than me um, because I'd been so used to, to playing with people my age that when I first joined, I remember um, Nikki Miles and Jade Formerston and Helen, they were all playing for Coventry and they were actually my coaches at, when I was in the Coventry City Academy. So that's when I looked and thought, wow, like, you're you were my coach and now I'm playing with you in the same team um but it's a lot different just in terms of like physicality and um I'd say just the way you approach games is different because you're against a wide variety of teams whereas in the academy level you're playing against like I said people your own age you're all pretty much you know in the same kind of situation at Carve you know I had people like teachers people with different jobs, juggling, playing football. So it's a lot different environment in terms of commitment to football and how much people have to actually work and, and train and yeah, exactly fitness and how much how much more you have to do, I think, outside of training um, in the women's game compared to academy football. You could probably just get away with just training in academy football and, and showing up at the weekend, whereas now obviously you have to put in a lot more work and stuff behind the scenes to, to make yourself ready and available. Probably one thing I should have touched on earlier, and I've just reminded myself, well, you've reminded me of it. Um, <laughs> going from part-time to full-time. Now, um, as I've touched on in, in podcasts before, I work within a part-time, not even a part-time, a voluntary environment where you, uh, I'll sometimes get in a car with one of the players and she's just finished work at half past five and she's shoving a Tesco sandwich down her throat to get in time for training. No nutritionist, none of that stuff. And, I think sometimes it goes unnoticed how much players who are part-time or voluntary have to sacrifice just to play the goddamn game, basically. Um, yeah. With more players going professional, and obviously I spoke to a few Rangers players about that who've made the same sort of transition from part-time slash voluntary to, to full-time. It might sound like a really obvious question, but like from playing part-time and then going to full-time, how quickly does that grow you? And what are the kind of challenges as you're switching from part-time to full-time um so I think full-time I've noticed now is like it's my job like that is what I do daily that is my number one thing in my life is is football which is obviously something I've always wanted to Mm -hmm. be in that position um but I think (laughs) but I think from 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 part-time um you know I was at school um I was working part-time um, and then I was playing football at night. Um, so I had a, obviously a lot more going on in my life. Um, and even with with the whole fitness thing, you know, you're training every day as a full-time player. And people, it's obviously, it's pretty obvious what how that would affect you, but it mm-hmm. does massively just improve your fitness. And just, I think, unin- not, not unintentionally, but you don't notice it until you start running and you think, oh, like, that's made such a difference. And the gym, being having access to the gym at the training ground, um, it's helped me a lot personally because I think uh, as a 16 year old moving through Carve, I had quite a few injuries and different issues and stuff going on and probably because I didn't really have the um, access to the gym and that kind of side of the game um, so I was just showing up and having a quick stretch and then playing a game and that's why I had so many problems um, and now you know I haven't had any issues you know touch wood but since I've been at Leicester because I think the the access to the nutrition and the, the gym and the snc coaches and everything like that really does just give you those extra one percent and it's something you probably wouldn't think it make that much of a difference but it really does and it's, it's really beneficial to to have those different little things because they all add up and you don't notice it until you're in it that it's so important to your game and now i couldn't think of playing football without that kind of thing i think i'd really struggle so yeah it's, it's there's a lot it's completely different and I've probably adapted a lot better than I thought I was going to, um, which is obviously a good thing. But yeah, it's it's a lot different. Funny you mentioned the um, the first thing you mentioned there was like you know it's my life now, it's my job, it's like what I've always wanted. 
it's very, very, very easy for me to um, try and make a comparison, which is not really that comparable. Like it's essentially me blogging for years and years and years is not the same as me working in journalism, I guess. And now I get paid for it and I feel great from it. But it's also sometimes the fact that I can finish my work at eight o'clock or six o'clock and then I can sit and just chill out and enjoy my TV or read a book. I imagine that helps as well because previously you would have been fitting in football in your free time essentially and your job in school and uni or whatever it may be would go first how much has that helped being able to declutter from a game if that makes sense yeah I was talking about this not long ago actually to my mom because I was saying I have much more of a social life now because I actually have time to go out and see my friends and just do different things that I haven't been able to do before and you know that's so before I was at sixth form in the day Mm -hmm. and then work at night and then the next day sixth form then football and I never had time to do anything and um you know I used to be coaching on a Saturday morning so they I literally had no time and now I've been I come home from training at four half four and I'm just like wow like what do I have to, what am I going to do with the rest of my evening like I don't have this time ever so now I can actually you know watch watch football at night and, and relax and watch the Liverpool games which I used to miss at night the Champions yeah. League or whatever and you, just little things like that. I, I was watching a game the other day in a PSG um, Man City and I was thinking, like, I would have missed this, like, before. And it's just, it's so nice to just be able to to chill and, and know that, like, your day's, your day's done, you've done your work for the day and you can just do whatever you want and, and yeah, just chill. It's great. Like, <laughs> it's something I didn't really think I'd enjoy that much until I've done now, yeah. Living the dream now, as you, as you say, you know, why not? <laughs> Living the dream, yeah. Before I let you go, I don't ever do this, but I thought, why not? Because I've discovered I've done it once or twice and actually quite enjoy it. So I'm going to fire some quick fire questions at you. Um, nothing too difficult. Um, <laughs> but best player you've ever played with? Ooh. That's really tough. <laughs> You're trying to think you're not a disappointment here, aren't you? Let's be honest. You've got <laughs> so someone in your mind, but... <laughs> that's a big start, that is. Um, best player. I'm gonna say a an, a lad actually because I don't want to upset anybody that I currently <laughs> play with and anyone that I think a lad that was in my year at school who I always thought would genuinely be a full time footballer in the prem. Uh, his name was Fortina and he used to play for my Sunday league team and honestly incredible. He was like six foot and he was like ridiculously fast he's finishing both feet unreal and I genuinely thought he would be a striker in the Prem he's honestly one of, and I used to play as um just behind him and he used to just ping the ball through um and he used to just score and he used to make me look great but I think in the women's game I would probably say as a striker Ebony Salmon from Bristol uh yeah. I played with her for a couple of years at Villa and like I said I used to play as a 10 behind her and just find the ball through to her and let her do the rest, you know, brilliant. Absolutely rapid as well. I don't think I've only been, ever seen anybody as quick as her in my life. I imagine you're not that surprised that she's picking up her England caps now then. No, no, I've expected it. She is incredible. I'm so happy for her, you know, she's worked so hard for that. And um, yeah, she's just took her opportunity, you know, she's moved to Bristol and took that step and she's, she's earned it, yeah, 100%. Best play you've ever played against? Against maybe not best, maybe toughest opponent because best is quite a all encompassing statement, I suppose. Um, I think for me, we played Man City in pre season for Cov, um, and they were difficult, um, just as a team, like they were so good, and I remember like obviously all the England players were playing and I think as an opponent like and as an individual I think that's really tough because of their team is literally full of the England team it's literally the England team but you know even when we I remember playing Tottenham um, against against Tottenham in the FA Cup for for Cobb a few seasons ago and they were really tough because that was probably the first time I'd ever played against a Super League time, uh, Super League team in that time. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say Man City as a team, um, but Tottenham as in my first experience were, were difficult. 
with City, were you going up against Steph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She played in that game. I was, I was up front in that game as well. So I was against her, and um, I can't remember who else it was. I think it was. Could it have hmm. been? Um, oh, names just get me. Because obviously Abby, it wouldn't have been because Abby's just joined. Um, Mannion potentially. Yeah, it could have been. I'm not. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I'm not sure, but they literally had, you know, Jill Scott, Kira Walsh. Lauren Hemp, Ellen White, everyone was playing in that game. Like I wasn't expecting the whole of their team to play, but they did. They did. So yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they all showed up for that game. Yeah. This is probably a really difficult question to ask, and it might upset people, but hopefully it doesn't. So you don't have to pick anyone from your own team. But who do you rate as the best young player currently in the WSL? In the WSL. Um... I do want to go with Ebony again, just because I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Um, and I do struggle to look against her because obviously I played around and there as a person and, you know, we really get on. Uh, but obviously, aside from Ebony, I think uh, Lauren Hemp lately, from what I've been watching, I think when she come on for England sure. in one of those friendlies, I think she completely changed the game um, in the 20 minutes that she was on. So but the France yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unreal. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say Lauren Hemp um, and yeah, and, and Ebony. I wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> um, which player are you most looking forward to playing against next season? Now that you're going into WSL. Hmm. Um. I'd probably say Frank Kirby, just because she's <laughs> one of the biggest biggest. Frank Kirby. <laughs> Yeah, and she plays for the best team in the country. So, yeah, you want to play against the best. So, yeah, probably probably Frank Kirby. Perfect. Shannon, that was really enjoyable. Thanks so much for joining me and, and um, answering my inane questions. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you had fun too. Yeah, I loved it. It was really good. Thanks for having me on. Good. And people listening, I always forget to do this. Subscribe and all that if you want to. If you don't want to, it's completely fine. But if you do want to get the next episode, just subscribe and apparently that happens. Um, and that'd be great if you do. Thanks for listening. Cheers.